I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. All right. Uh, This is going to be an interesting little conversation. We are joined by Dr. David Hammond, uh, who is a professor and university research chair in public health in the School of Public Health and Health Systems at the University of Waterloo. Um, And today, I believe we're going to be diving into the world of e-cigarettes and vaping and smoking. Yeah, we um I I came to this I I came to this uh what sort of the context of how we kind of rolled around and wanted to uh, dive into this and have this conversation was um it was uh a week or two ago I I saw in 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 some financial news that I was reading that the FDA was approaching a decision on uh, or or was about to 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 determine their ruling on a on on basically a um uh some a piece where where they had they had requested from any from any business that sells vaping products in the US to submit proof that uh, or evidence that supports the idea that vaping um was a a safer uh a safer alternative to smoking to smoking cigarettes uh, like combustible tobacco um or uh, or and that it is uh, that it can help with reducing the the number the, the the amount of of smokers in the U.S. and um, and that kind of this has kind of been a conversation also, Dave, that we've that we've had a lot over the a conversation we've had a lot of over the years about 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 that, like theorizing on whether it is a a safe alternative. So I guess the context of this conversation was really like is is vaping a safer alternative? Than smoking, and also for people who aren't turning to it as an alternative, but are picking it up from scratch, mm. non-smokers picking it up, the 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 health, the like the negative health impacts that that vaping has, and that's been something like I said that has been circulating in, mm-hmm. in uh, as a conversation with us. And one big reason is because we went to a high school to do a talk a couple oh, of years oh, ago, Jesus, and I, I went into the, I went to use the bathroom before the talk, and I walked into the high school bathroom. And it smelled like watermelon. And I was like, what the fuck? And there was like 20 guys standing around sharing a vape together. And I was like, man, you would never see fucking kids like this smoking in a bathroom when I was in high school. So like, are you guys, are you guys like, are you huffing a, huffing a, 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 a essential oil diffuser? I, I, thought, I thought that vaping was supposed to be the healthier alternative, quote unquote. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck, this can't be good. That doesn't look good. 
So I guess, so I guess like, yeah, like, what, like to start it off, like what, what, what do you, what, what's your work? What's, what is your work surround? What is your research surround? And, 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 you know, kick us off with kind of your thoughts on, on the context of having this conversation. Well, my work is to try and answer the questions you just asked, which is, look, everybody knows smoking tobacco, leading cause of death, still about 45,000 deaths a year. You know, that's many more times than we've experienced the worst of COVID. So tobacco smoking bad, and then you have this new mode of drug delivery that we call vaping. Mm. And, you know, the history is very interesting. You guys probably aren't old enough, but vaping first came to the commercial market with something called the volcano, and it was for cannabis. And what mm. you did is you right. oh, put, yeah. some, put some weed in there, you heat it up, and it filled this big balloon that was a couple feet high, and then you could pass the balloon around. Mm. Well, there's a Chinese pharmacist that, um, um, like the tobacco companies, had uh, designed a what is essentially an e-cigarette 40 years ago. Go back further to the 1950s, when the tobacco companies knew people were getting cancer and dying from smoking. They tried to clean the smoke. They changed the filters. They changed the tobacco. Their own scientists said back then, you know what, we, we're not going to be able to clean this stuff. If you want to make it better, you're going to have to find nicotine and deliver it through some sort of aerosol other than smoke. And they were right. And so that's what happened hmm. uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, there's a Chinese pharmacist who made a handheld version. And, it, uh, and then it really started to accelerate in the last 10, 11 years. So mm -hmm. in answer to your questions, uh, can it be harmful? Yes. Is it safer? Yes. Um, than smoking. And the challenge is it's all determined by who's using this stuff and for what purpose. Mm -hmm. So look, nothing is as bad as smoke. You guys mm -hmm. are wearing cotton shirts and hoodies. If you rolled that up and smoked it, you'd see a lot of the same carcinogens you see in tobacco smoke. Right. Smoking is one of the dirtiest ways of delivering your drug. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea with vaping products is that you're eliminating the smoke. So what you have is you have what we call an aerosol. People call it vapor, but it's an aerosol. It's got nicotine, it's got flavor, and it's got things like propylene glycol. Um, and you're inhaling it. And so, you know, if you're an established smoker, we can say with almost certainty now that if vaping helps you stop smoking, you'll be better off in the long term. Okay. If you weren't a smoker in the first place, it's generally not a good idea to chronically inhale chemicals into your lungs. That's why we yeah. don't take aspirin uh, in an inhaler. That's why we don't do a lot of those other things. Right. Um, and so I, you know, the industry loves using the word safer. I use less harmful. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, smoking is like jumping off a 20-story building. Anything is going to be safer than smoking as a mode of delivery, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, and vaping is less harmful to those that are already addicted and can't quit. Um, but if you're a 15 year old, you know, the story you told about your high school, I mean, I get that over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Canada has one of the highest youth vaping rates of any country I've seen in the world. No um, shit. A couple of years ago, it was about 12% of Canadian high school kids that said they vape every day. That's a problem. That tells yeah. us that the product wasn't really, hasn't been targeted well enough to those adult smokers that maybe need it. Do you think, do you think that? that that statement right there that it hasn't been targeted towards the target audience properly do you think that 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 was done by by like a, as a conscious decision you know so i testify in court cases and there's a lot of court cases out there a lot of them are against jewel so you guys probably know jewel yeah. that, um what did jewel do jewel did a couple things they figured out how to market these products 
they marketed them using 20 year old models and ways that were super cool. Mm. Um, but Jewel did another thing, you know, it used to be that if you have too high of a nicotine concentration, like, have you guys ever tried to inhale a cigar smoke? It's super harsh and acrid. Yeah. Mm. And it used to be vapes before that. If you put too much of a nicotine concentration in there, it felt like that. Well, Jewel unlocked the chemistry so that you could actually Mm. deliver like much higher levels of nicotine. Uh, and they nailed it on the flavors, their mango flavor. Mm. Um, we had creme brulee for a while. Uh, and then they packaged it into this really cool thing. And they called their own products the iPhone of e-cigarettes. Mm. Now, you do those two, th- three things, tasty flavor, great rapid drug delivery, and you market it in a young, hip way. Mm. It shouldn't surprise you that it became mm. the leading brand and the leading brand among kids. Mm-hmm. Now, it the field I work in, we have people shouting at each other. We have people that work together for 40 years on tobacco that now can't pass each other in the halls because people argue about whether these things can help people quit or whether they're bringing new kids right. into the market. And the answer is yes and yes. It does both those things. Right. And that's the pickle we're in today. Right. The, uh, the uh, mentioning uh, specifically Juul and, uh, and the, the ruling that I mentioned at the at the beginning from the FDA, which is a, a, a U.S. entity, and, and you're out of Waterloo, so we're in a kind of speaking in a Canadian t- context. Um, I, uh, I I looked that up because I didn't after I read that piece, I didn't really look into it. We we sent it mm-hmm. to our one of our producers, and she she reached out to you, and uh, and I just looked into it before we started our conversation to see what the what the ruling was and what the outcome of that was. And this is from an NPR article. That was uh, that was um, published on the same day that I and that I read that news, uh, and I'll just read a little part from it here. It says the Food and Drug Administration said it has ruled on whether some electronic cigarette products can remain on the market, but that it's also delaying action on products made by Juul, which account for forty percent of the e-cigarette market. So the and and, and sorry to like to speak to what you said there, Jer, about like you know is it a conscious decision? Mm. I mean. This is a total speculative sort of idea or concept, but like you've delayed, you've delayed action on the market giant, you know, like what, what well, does that say? Yeah. I'll tell you what, it, I'm glad I don't work for the FDA. I'm glad I don't work for health Canada because these products, um, created a new category. Technically they don't have tobacco in them, so they're not regulated like cigarettes, but nor are they regulated like what we call medicinal products like nicotine replacement therapy, the patch or the gum. And so what happened is the FDA originally said, uh, they don't fall under our remit. And then they said, okay, they do. And now they're trying to play a big game of catch up and they're years behind. Um, and they're trying to figure out what products they leave on the market. Do you leave uh, tiger's breath, unicorn vomit, uh, and cereal milk as flavors for e-cigarettes on the market? Uh, is that good for an adult trying to quit? Or is that good for a 15 year old on their way to the party? So it's this catch-up game they're trying to play. And Juul is the product. By the way, most of the pro- a lot of the products out there now operate like a Juul. High nicotine, yeah, right. that chemistry switch. So it's just that they led the market. Mm. The, the problem is, is that it may well be that the Juul-style product that is most competitive. So if I'm a 55-year-old smoker, the fact that Juul delivers this big whack of nicotine just kind of like a cigarette does, that's probably a good thing if I'm trying to quit. If I'm trying to substitute for less harmful option, right. it's the same thing that's probably going to make a kid go from trying it in the bathroom one time to starting to use it daily yeah. like we've and, seen. Yeah. And what in that that chemistry switch that you mentioned, because when you said that, it kind of, 
you know, there's, um, you know, I, I've smoked cigarettes here and there in my day, you know, largely when I was, when I was in my mid twenties and drinking, um, and thought that, you know, cigarettes were uh, something that I should be doing when I'm, when I'm drinking. Um, but there's like a, there's like a very tangible, um, there's a very tangible thing when you smoke, like when I, as a non-smoker, if I were to smoke a cigarette or two, I wake up the next day and I know that I've smoked. Like it's, it's, it's apparent. I know I've got, I can tell if I go and exercise that it's impacting the way that I, whether it's like a tangible, like impact, you know, from a couple of cigarettes, I don't know, but I can feel it anyway. And it feels tangible. But when you're smoking and like you said, Jewel did this chemistry switch where you don't get that sort of a trigger of, oh, that's enough. Uh, like I've inhaled enough and like, what, what, how did they do that? And why is that? Oh, why is it? Is that something that, that, that regulators are looking to? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, you don't have to smoke there, right? I mean, even if someone was a regular smoker, almost everyone's tried smoking. You know, I remember doing it in the playground behind the little piece of equipment that people would pee in. And what do you end up doing? You end up <laughs> coughing for a couple of minutes. Um, vapes don't have that. Mm. You know, they don't have that uh, like inherently aversive thing that makes you cough. Um, so, and they have uh, really appealing flavors. So right now in Canada, we've banned menthol from all tobacco products, right? right? Mm. In the US, they haven't. Remarkable because what does menthol does? Well, it tastes like mint, but it also anesthetizes your throat to make it easier mm. to inhale. Right. We don't have yeah. those. So you got the double whammies. You don't have the harsh smoke coming in and you got the lovely flavor. And the idea is that, and it's no longer an idea, it's an empirical fact that, you know, kids find these products much more appealing to start using in cigarettes. And this yeah. is happening right at the point where we have almost bottomed out on new kids coming into the smoking market. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the concern people have. And yet we've still got over 4 million adult smokers. Yeah. Half of them will die if they keep going the way they're going. And so you've got these opposing forces and it's about trying to unlock that potential conflict. What flavors can you allow that smokers still want to use? Should we sell them in corner stores? Should you put some limits on nicotine? And most of all, what would be really helpful is if some of these companies actually submitted their products as a smoking aid, stop smoking aid, just like mm -hmm. we have for NRT and the patch of the gum. And I can tell you, I think most regulatory authorities would love that. Mm -hmm. I think most doctors that recognize that these are less harmful would love that um, because then you can actually you know, encourage smokers to a greater degree of, mm -hmm. of confidence saying, Hey, you know what, if you've tried everything else, try this because it might help you. So, so we've highlighted that like the big, the big challenge here is that like it does benefit, uh, vaping does benefit smokers in terms of getting them off of smoking combustible tobacco. Um, but the, the challenge is that it's getting more kids, uh, addicted to nicotine and involved in smoking practices. Um, but like that, so my question is, is because one of the things that I've heard is that vaping is said to be better than smoking tobacco, but also then there's a lot of these instances that you hear about where, you know, people are developing things like popcorn lung. Um, there's, uh, I think sometimes challenges with the quality of the vaping products where sometimes the vaping juice can actually get into your lungs and, and cause, uh, undesirable effects. It, are we sure that it's better is there, is there, is that sort of a gray area? Again, I'll use a term not as bad rather than right, better. Yeah, right, um, right. So I, I think we can be sure um, that doesn't mean it's not harmful. 
I mean, yeah, right. I spend more of my career trying to demonstrate obvious things like harmful, but less harmful. And most consumers don't like that. They want a good bucket and a bad bucket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, here's the problem. Uh, we won't know the full effects of e-cigarettes uh, for another probably 20 years. It mm. took us decades to figure out that smoking caused lung cancer because those chronic diseases take many years to develop. Mm -hmm. I... Personally, I uh, have no doubt that that level will be substantially less than smoking. But right now, if anybody tells you exactly whether or not, um, you know, what the risks might be for cardiovascular disease, they're going to be less. Are they going to be negligible? I don't know. And we've yeah. got this gruesome natural experiment. To your point, popcorn lung, very, very rare. We don't have this. That's a, a particular additive. I don't think we've had a single case in Canada. There's okay. other nasty things like they, the thing blew up in your pocket that can happen for laptop batteries. The main thing that people, you guys probably don't know the acronym, but we called it a valley. And it was, we had this wave of people, uh, thousands of people being hospitalized for acute lung disease, about 60 to 70 died in the US. And it was from vaping, but guess what they were vaping? They were vaping like uh, cannabis, yeah, weed, right, THC right. products. And some genius thought that they would um, dilute the the uh, thc levels and so they put in something that we have all the time in our food which is vitamin e oil perfectly safe to mm. eat it uh problem you heat it up it combines with different chemicals and it causes these horrible acute lung diseases that many huh. dozens of people died from uh and you know that you know but it was often mixed up with nicotine and e-cigarettes now we've seen there's some of those cases that may be nicotine, but most of them seem to be these THC products. And they tell us that this is a moded drug, recreational drug delivery that's here to stay. Mm. Um, I do a lot of work on cannabis and the vaping market for cannabis is fascinating. Uh, you can vape dried flour. You can vape like THC in a liquid. You can vape concentrates like wax or shatter. Um, and it's, and we've got more and more folks doing it. And now you've got regulators going, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have like peaches and cream flavor for yeah. uh, a, a liquid vape that has 90% THC in it. And yeah. so Canada just changed the rules about what flavors can go in THC vape. So right. the market's moving so quickly and, mm -hmm. and it's very hard for consumers to figure this out. It, does that make it hard for you as a researcher? <laughs> you know, like, does that, does that make things challenging for you to kind of keep up with the market and what's going on? Oh, look, I spend half my time reading business analyst reports. I collect information on about 200,000 different cannabis products a year. Um, and I try not to be melodramatic about this, but I'll, without violating any confidences, you know, I remember talking to the, one of the biggest cannabis companies in Canada and by extension in the world. And at one point they had designed products uh, where they had done no testing on the vape oils and it had one of these constituents in there that's highly toxic to humans. At the last minute, they put a pause on it and said, let's run some animal studies. Mm. My understanding is that those animals started bleeding from their orifices and most of them died. And they oh, put a whoa. halt to releasing those products. This is the Canadian vaping yes. market. So can you have safe products, like, you know, relatively safe products? Yes. Do we know enough about some of these products? Yes. Um, I don't believe we do. So yeah, it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for the industry and consumers, but look, it's here to stay and we better yeah. figure this thing out pretty damn quick. So to, to that point of like, of people that, you know, 
we we've been talking about youth getting involved with with vaping and and the ramifications of that or the possible ramifications but to this point of like e-cigarettes as a mode uh for for people who are already addicted to regular cigarettes and using e-cigarettes as a as a way to reduce the amount that they're smoking mm-hmm. um cigarettes my i I, I would say it's probably safe to assume that there's probably a large amount of people that are that are using both vapes and regular cigarettes. And it, according to your research, like like if, if if someone's like a dual user of both, what are we? What what is what kind of damage could that be doing? And and are, like are those people just basically fucking themselves by compounding two different? things that they're inhaling that is just inevitably going to end them up in a, you know, in a hospital with lung cancer or, or worse stacked with something else? Uh, yeah. Let me try and answer that like really briefly. If someone is a smoker and they start vaping daily and they stop smoking cigarettes, that is a good thing. And any smoker out there, look, most smokers are trying to quit. They don't want to die. If this helps them to stop in the same way that, like, what is vaping? It's it's absorbing nicotine into your lungs. So that means that um, it gets your brain more quickly. Do you know why most people smoke nicotine? Is because it spikes nicotine into your brain, and it takes literally seconds to get into your lungs, into your bloodstream, to your brain, and mm-hmm. starts pushing those rewarding buttons. Mm-hmm. Well, certain vapes do the same thing. So that's why they like to use it more than the patch or the gum. What do you do with a patch? You slap it on your arm. You absorb it slowly, steadily. You don't get these spikes. Mm-hmm. So it can be a form of nicotine replacement therapy. Absolutely. Now, having said that, we know that some people vape because I can't smoke at work anymore. Yeah. So I vape just to get me through it. And in that, in those ways, it might sustain vaping. Um, and we do know, you asked the question about what happens if you smoke and vape at the same time. Your head's not going to blow up. Um, but those <laughs> folks do have higher levels of toxicants in their body when we yeah. measure it. Now, it might be the type of people. They, they're probably the most addicted folks out there. Mm-hmm. But I always say that, look, there's benefit if you stop smoking. If you don't stop, it's fine to do both as a road to stopping, but you got to cross the finish line because the benefit doesn't come from the e-cigarette. It comes from stopping smoke. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think of my mom's tried to quit smoking like a hundred times in her life, and she's probably gone like two or three years here and there where she hasn't smoked a cigarette. And then, you know, inevitably like a stressful period of her life, the stress, stressful time comes up and she starts smoking again. But right now I believe that she when especially when I was recently, when I was living with her, she would like kind of sneak out on the back deck because she didn't want like to me to see her doing Mm -hmm. it. So she would sneak out, have a cigarette, but she was probably smoking like four or five times a day. 
Um, and I would want to go to her and say, Hey, listen, stop smoking. Like maybe you should try this vaping. But then like, then it becomes, you know, the perceived idea that it's less harmful. And also it doesn't like tobacco smoke or like cigarette smoke sticks to the walls and gets Mm -hmm. in everything. You can, you can start like vaping inside because like that bathroom that I went into that smelled like watermelons, it's actually kind of a, a nice aromatherapy thing to have going on. So like people, people don't mind when people are vaping inside and stuff a lot of times. So, um, is it, is there instances where cigarette smokers switch to vaping and end up just vaping more? And is that less harmful still, or is it? The key is if it, if it makes them stop smoking or smoke mm. a lot less, and it's not enough if someone average Canadian smokers, about 15 cigarettes a day, it's not enough to shave a couple of cigarettes. You know why? Mm. Because most people just, we call it compensating. You only inhale about a third of the smoke for each cigarette. It's really easy to just take a couple extra puffs per cigarette. And then what matters is how much smoke is going in your lungs, mm-hmm. not whether you achieved it through 13 or 15 cigarettes. Okay. So it, it is really about the, keeping the focus on getting off the smoke. Mm-hmm. And what would make this a hell of a lot easier for everybody is, so Juul, you know, Philip Morris bought a third of Juul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leading brand in Canada, which is now um, uh, Vipe, it's owned by British American Tobacco. This does not make it any easier for health mm. folks to recommend it. And none of them have submitted their products as a therapeutic smoking cessation product. If they did, it would be much easier for you, for me, for your mom's physician. I don't know your mom's name. Let's call her Lorna to say, you know what, Lorna, this has been proven to work. It's less harmful. I think that that would be huge. And when you have that type of product, it's probably not going to be marketed like Juul used to advertise their products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of solves potentially the issue of not making them kid-friendly, but being able to have an even more open conversation with adult smokers to go, hey, this may not be for you. There's other ways to quit. But we have something that has been officially recognized to help you stop smoking. You don't have to just listen to some dude on a podcast or, you know, your mm-hmm. son who likes the smell of watermelon. Our, uh, <laughs> our, our uh, yeah, which called Brian clearly does. Our, um, our, our, our company's not submitting it as a therapeutic, uh, as a therapeutic use, uh, like companies like Philip Morris or, or British American Tobacco because of uh, sort of like the l- regulatory lane that it lands in yeah. if they do that. That's exactly right. So why wouldn't they uh, in Canada? I'll tell you why, because right now you can sell your product, uh, well, until recently, and in every corner store. You don't have to go through all those regulatory hoops and approvals. Mm -hmm. But you talked about what was happening in the U.S. Well, guess what? The U.S. is saying, hang on a minute. We're now throwing a regulatory net over everything. And you risk having your product completely pulled from the market if you don't demonstrate these things. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with that is that it's taken years and it may take several years more. But in Canada right now, any of those companies have a separate track where they can submit their product for approval as a smoking cessation aid and none of them have. That's also true in England and the UK where people talk a lot about harm reduction. And it's it's been a real disappointment to folks that would like to see these things be sort of authorized in a way where we could promote them uh, more effectively to the people who could benefit. You, uh, you piqued my interest there a little bit when you were talking about, um, about um, cannabis use and uh, in, in vaping. And I am, uh, I'm somebody who, um, who vapes uh, weed and mm-hmm. I, I do that 
you know, I, I smoke weed as well, but like I, I, when I think about it, I try to be, I try to be vaping it more than I'm smoking it, you know, for this, I guess in the same track of this conversation that vaping something is going to be, you know, less harmful to you than, than inhaling combusted, um, materials. Um, you know, there, it, it, it is like socially, it's, it's the social aspect of it is funny. I was at a corn maze yesterday um, and uh, and I'm sitting down. This is a brief story. Okay. Um, I'm at a corn maze yesterday. First time go. corn mazer. Went to do some apple Re- picking. Excellent, corn maze. excellent experience. I highly recommend it. Um, and right before we went in, I'm sitting down with my with Kyla and a few few friends, and and uh, and I take out my vape pen, my my weed vape pen, and I take a little hoot on it, and and my friend goes, "Oh, Taylor, what the f- what the fuck?" And I go, "What?" And she goes, "You're va- vaping?" And I go, "Weed." And she was like, "Oh, oh, okay." Yeah. And it was an immediate, <laughs> it, and it was an immediate shift from her thinking that I was vaping tobacco or or vaping nicotine versus vaping weed. It you know it is it is vaping is vaping weed is vaping cannabis as opposed to smoking cannabis in the exact same sort of lane as as um, as vaping nicotine versus smoking cigarettes. Are there any are there any um, particular uh, particularly interesting? things about vaping weed that are different from vaping nicotine? Lots. Um, you know, so your story, I think, touches on a couple things. And that is like social norms and perceptions. That's a fancy word for whether people think it's okay or not. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, we have this hierarchy of drugs, don't we? And tobacco is the one of the most vilified. Now, it's also the one that takes the most lives in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then you have alcohol, which at the other end actually takes far more lives than cannabis. Um, but was less socially acceptable. I used to give talks all the time because I do a lot of cannabis work and I would give talks to like, you know, 500 physicians. And when I would get up and talk, I would give a disclosure and I'd say, you know, I don't take any money from the industry. And by the way, I need to disclose to you that I I took a drug last night and you guys should hear this if you're going to listen to me talk about drugs. And I'd say, and I'll be honest with you, it was lovely. I really enjoyed it and I do it often. And then I'd show a picture of one of their local craft beers. And they'd all have a Mm -hmm. chuckle. Um, But that room has much different attitudes about alcohol and cannabis. The fact is, is that alcohol causes much more direct and indirect Mm. uh, financial and health costs in Canada. And, and of course, tobacco is at the, you know, far end of the extreme. And so part of your friends like, okay, you know, cannabis, cool, nicotine, not. Mm -hmm. You asked me if there are differences about vaping cannabis. The big difference there is potency. So I don't know. So it sounds like you're you're hitting a, a vape pen there that has liquid, like a cartridge or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it looks exactly like a jewel, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So quick lesson here. In the 70s, when maybe your dad or mom uh was taking a hit on a joint, probably about five percent THC, two, three, four, five percent THC. You walk into, I'm in Ontario, walk into the OCS store, the average THC level of dried herb is about 17, 20%. Mm-hmm. It can go, you can, you can grow some weed up to close to 30, but that's the maximum. The average vape pen THC is about 80% and you can have 90%. Wow. Whoa. Really? So, you know, have you, like, do you guys know wax and shatter and stuff yeah, like that? You see, uh, put them on the dab ring and you go, Oh, that's heavy. Well, yeah. your vape pen can be just as heavy as that. Yeah. So that, you have oh. it now you can have a vape pen at whatever you want. Yeah, right. You could have one down at 5%. They're actually hard to find. But that's the difference is that most liquid THC vape pens are way more potent. Now, you yeah. might know as a regular user that you know that you just take one or two hits. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe if you're smoking a joint the odd time, you know you can smoke half the joint. But the problem there is with some of the new consumers. Now, you cross that with the fact that kids like the flavors. Uh, it's obscure, right? You, you know, they, they used to have these hoodies. You know, well, you're wearing one. You know how you have like your drawstring? Mm. Someone made a hoodie where you can actually you hook it up to your vape and you can take little hits Whoa. through your drawstring in class. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was Jeez. I was I was teaching a class to like Capitalism. 500 undergrads, and someone lifted up their hand and said, "Like I'm wearing one right now, and I'm vaping in your class where we're talking about vaping." Whoa. So kids like that. It's like you know low profile, um, but I do worry about like the 14 year old kid. Yeah. who's maybe hitting the 90% THC vape pen, uh, which is qualitatively different. So good that they're not inhaling smoke, but um, we might want to think about the potency yeah. of some of those things. Yeah. And Tay, yeah. just for, just so you know, I just read this on David's website that uh, if you're smoking a vape pen that has 90% um, uh, THC in it, your dick will fall off. So, oh my God. <laughs> so you better stop straight from uh, David's website. Yeah, you heard and, it here and first, all, the kid, all the kids listening right now. I hope, I hope you heard that. So you don't, <laughs> you don't want your dick to fall off. I don't know why they make them so potent because wouldn't it be theoretically better to be less potent and then you smoke it longer, which then. Yeah. It's like, you... it's like a, it's like when I go to the bar, like I, I choose a Pilsner cause I want to be able to yeah. last yeah, right. a little longer, you know? Look, like that's a fascinating conversation. Like, I don't know if you guys ever tried cannabis drinks. Yeah, but they are geared to like very roughly have a similar thing where you could sit down and drink three or four like you would with alcohol. Mm -hmm. That's what you were just talking about, which is as the manufacturer, maybe I want to sell a six pack of those things or four drinks as opposed to one. But we've got this weird evolution where most of those products, they were all in the illegal market, right? We've just legalized. Um, and I think we're going to see a shift towards some of those more consumer friendly things. Cause the fact mm. is that most consumers out there don't even know what, like what is THC percent and how yeah, much do I yeah. need? And man, are there a ton of products out there? There's um, freezies, yeah. uh, popsicle. I mean, there's everything you can imagine. Uh, and personally, I think we need to do a better job educating consumers about things like potency of cannabis. Yeah. Well, I've, I, I, on that, on that, on that train of, of thought of, of the, uh, of, like cannabis THC like drinks um, and, and and the conversation around potency and being able to like really control potency um, and like the desired effect that you'd like from cannabis. I, you know, gr- growing up smoking weed as a teenager and in my early twenties, you know, you, it felt like if you're smoking a joint, there's really, you're, it's, it's either on or off. Like you either do, or you don't. I mean, you take it, you, you have, you know, it's very hard to know what you're smoking, especially when it was a black market, uh, item. Mm-hmm. And you know, you take a couple hits off a joint and you know, you could be on the moon or you could take a couple hits from a joint, be totally fine. You really never knew what you're going to get, but it felt like controlling your consumption and, cr- and controlling the potency was really, really challenging. I find the same thing with vapes a little bit. I find it actually a little bit easier because I just, I know that it's like, it's one, one hit on it or two hits on it. And it's very controlled that way. But with drinks, similar to exactly what you said about alcohol, I find that it is the most controllable method for, for potency in terms of controlling how, what your intake is, which I always found was, you know, comparing alcohol to cannabis use, like kind of trying to make it apples to apples was always impossible because, you know, you just couldn't really measure it. But then these drinks come along and they come along in these very, you know, you can get them in 2.5 milligram options, mm-hmm. which are very, very low. And, uh, 
and and all of a sudden it feels like you can control the potency like uh, you know what what are your what are your thoughts what are your thoughts in that in that lane in terms of people being able to more control the way that they consume things look I mean, that's what we're talking about today, partly, right? Like, what do you want your legal drug market, your recreational drug market to look like? And I think a basic principle is people need to dose to their needs. Now, you may want to go get black, just like alcohol. Yeah, I may want to go have 12 drinks tonight. I may want to have one. But we know how to do that. Um, and it's pretty easy to dose. And I think we need to get there with the cannabis market. You know, I always use my, my I've got a funny neighbor. He'll love that I'm mentioning him. Last Oktoberfest, you know, he bought a, uh, an edible. It was in the shape of a Lego brick, you know, and he and, and five other guys had it and they, you know, couldn't stand up. And like what we have the chance to do in the legal market is to help people dose. Mm. Um, and we haven't got there yet. Uh, but I think that's almost like a, not a consumer right. Um, now, cannabis, cannabis is tricky, right? Because you eat it, it takes longer, it lasts longer. But we can do this. Um, and the first thing is knowing when it says something on the label, you can trust that it's in there. Yeah. You can't do that with anything on the black market. Mm -hmm. The second thing, you know, we have a rule with edibles. So that Lego gummy brick thing, um, he told me that it had 200 milligrams huh. of THC. <laughs> That's that, a lot. That'll knock out like an elephant. Yeah. Um, and so what is he doing? He's got his jackknife out and he's trying to like do little slivers of one sixteenth. That's not how you yeah. dose in our legal market. And some people don't like it, but it's a maximum of 10 milligrams per yeah. pack. It can be four gummies, 2.5. It can be one of 10, but it gives people, it's much easier to build up than it is to like bring out your, your jackknife and start shaving, mm -hmm. uh, and, and subtracting. Yeah. And actually here in Nova Scotia, I don't know what the rules are in other provinces, but when you go into the, uh, the NSLC, which is like our provincial liquor store, and they also regulate cannabis, you, uh, you're limited to the amount of, uh, right. cannabis drinks that you can buy. Yeah. You can yeah. only buy, s it, it, I think it's a milligram, it's a milligram it's calculation, milligram. but yeah. you can only buy, you know, yeah. I, I went up to the counter once I bought four and which I found really interesting. I, I asked for four of these drinks and the, uh, the person behind the counter said, you can get two more. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, and I was like, that's okay. I'm cool. And I just wanted the four. Um, uh, David, uh, coming back to the, to the e-cigarettes and the vaping, um, considering that you, you do work in the, in the, the realm of public health, what, what are some things that, that Canada can do from a public health standpoint, um, to, to just be better at, spreading awareness and, and sort of, um, I guess, protecting youth when it comes to, when it comes to vaping and smoking, what are, what are they not doing and what, what can they be doing better? Well, look, you want to protect youth better. Um, and lots of provinces have said, okay, you can't sell vapes in certain stores. Like in Ontario where I live and Nova Scotia, where maybe you guys are, they have pretty comprehensive rules. You cannot sell vapes in a 7-Eleven or something like that. Um, uh, and above like a, a certain nicotine threshold, if you're going to put retail restrictions on where you can buy vapes, do it for cigarettes. Mm. The worst thing that can happen is that someone starts smoking or they start vaping and then go on to smoking. Um, and so anytime we're talking about any rules, let's make sure they're already in place for conventional cigarettes. Canada is in the position, uh, to put the nail in the coffin of these things. And guess what? Philip Morris International, British American Tobacco, they all come out and say they want to stop selling cigarettes. 
whatever. Yeah. Sure you do. Sure. Um, but <laughs> if you guys are on side with this, then let's figure out what the exit strategy is because that will limit the effect of vaping if there's not real good alternatives to go buy your cigarettes somewhere. So that's number mm -hmm. one. Number two, Canada and different provinces are trying things, including Nova Scotia, about restricting certain flavors. Some have said uh, Canada just last month um, Juul has about 55, 60 milligrams of nicotine per milliliter. They've now capped it at 20. Okay. Um, I actually think that the more we, we restrict the regular vapes, the more attractive it will be for one of these companies to go, oh, damn it. Okay, fine. We'll go in through the medical route and try and get approval because now we'll actually be able to sell that more broadly than on the regular market. Mm. So um, I don't have uh, the answer to the magic bullet but it's about trying to regulate these things in a way that they are, we're honest with adult smokers. They can help you to quit. If you quit smoking, they're gonna be less harmful. But come on, do we really need, uh, you know, cereal milk and like the other 2000 flavors on the market? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the balance that we're trying to find right now. Mm -hmm. um, David, I have one more question for you on, um, and I, I know that, there's a big sort of, uh, you know, and this is a really common, um, a really common uh, controversial or, you know, very polarized debate in terms of uh, drugs and like, like really broad, like broadly with drugs in terms of regulation. Like, do you make it all legal? Do you make it all, do you make it all, all legal and let it shake out and, you know, you get to regulate it. If it becomes legal, you get to regulate it in a bunch of different ways and deliver it safely and harm reduction and, and who, wherever you sit on that doesn't really matter. But, um, there is, um, I read this a long time ago, so I can't remember the specifics, but it was New Zealand's plan to um, basically eliminate smoking from the population by incrementally every year raising the age at which you're mm. allowed to smoke cigarettes until eventually the population would just be full of people that are, that, that, that you know, they're being born and they're not going to be able to smoke until they're 50 years old or something like that. So <laughs> it was a plan to basically eliminate smoking from the population in general. Um, I'm just curious about your thoughts on, on like a, on a plan or a position like that. And if it's, if, if it, if it has the potential to, to work in a population to eliminate smoking. Yeah, I think a plan's a pretty good idea for something that it's killed more people than all the wars and pandemics in, in Canada. Um, I think there's different ways of doing that. That's one, which is you have sort of this creeping floor that goes up. Um, another one is, you know, people say, well, why don't we ban cigarettes? It's because we have 4 million folks who smoke yeah. and a decent chunk of them, it's a, a deadly addiction for them. In a bizarre way, the emergence of vaping allow it, it it actually might allow us to truly like knock out the conventional cigarette because there is now an alternative nicotine source that is at least somewhat more appealing than the mm. patch or the gum for those 4 million smokers. Um, you have some countries that try and tax their way out of it. So a pack of cigarettes in Australia can be between 25 and 40 bucks. Um, when does that reach its limit? And you just have too much of an illicit market. I think there's different ways of doing it, but the one thing that the vaping debate has obscured is it's taken our eye off the thing that's killing the most people and that's smoking. Mm. Um, and so again, if we're talking about where you can sell e-cigarettes, let's talk about where you can sell cigarettes. Um, mm. And I get every province, you know, they ask me questions and I'll try and focus them back on that one question. So I think there's different ways of doing it, but 
Canada has been a leader in tobacco control. We have like 1% smoking rates, daily smoking rates among high school students. We can do this because not many of them are entering the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have the answers to what the best plan is, but do we need a plan? Hell yeah. And at some level, vaping may be a part of that because it's uh, a way of addicted smokers getting their nicotine in a way that's less likely to kill them. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I'm curious about... I, I read this article recently about uh, the media's portrayal of cigarettes, and it seems like it, it's actually becoming more popular to um, have characters in TV shows and movies that are smoking now, where there was like a phase of time where it's sort of like they were almost phased out of smoking mm-hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it To me, to get people to quit smoking, it's sort of like building on that stigma that, that Taylor talked about when his friend at the corn maze was like, Oh, is that a tobacco vape? Oh, thank God, it's only cannabis. <laughs> but like it it's kind of like, you know, kind of keeping up that sort of idea that um tobacco is bad for you and not sort of making it be cool again because I think the idea of it being cool is sort of the reason why we're in this position in the first place. Totally. And it took us 50 years to, you know, I mean, smoking it's not just that it wasn't cool. It used to be cool, sexy, adult, all those things. Mm-hmm. The tobacco companies, if you guys ever watched Mad Men, they use mm-hmm. a lot of case studies. Those are real. You know, they had problems in the 1950s where they're like, okay, we got 60% of men smoking, no women smoke. How do you sell cigarettes? Well, what do women like? They like being thin. Okay, we'll make slim cigarettes. Um, I mean, it's literally, it's genius, the marketing. Yeah. Uh, and they used to pay money. You know, I think it was Die Hard. He pulls out a pack of Marlboros like, the tobacco companies used to pay for product placement. So you're right. We've come a long way from that to the point now where you want to make your character an evil character, you put a cigarette in his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've done that. And that's not to vilify individual smokers. Um, I always say we've done a great job pulling the fire alarm. We need to help show them the exit a lot better than we do now. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. And that's why we don't have young kids taking it up. And that's why vaping, vaping is cool. It was cool. Um, and you just had to walk into a bathroom of a high school, as you said, and it's expanded the market for nicotine users in Canada among young people for the first time in decades. And that's what people are worried about, but I'm either stupid or hopelessly optimistic. And I think we can have our cake and eat it too here. Um, but it, it's about how we regulate the drug, not just whether it's legal. Yeah. I'm optimistic too. We watched uh, ready player one the other night and, uh, I didn't see anybody smoking in the future. So <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a crystal ball. Uh, David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to, uh, dive into the very vast world of smoking and vaping. It really does mean a lot. My pleasure. Yeah. That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.